Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Beer Ladies podcast. We are, as always, we're thrilled that you're with us on a Friday or whenever you are listening. Uh, today, I'm joined by Lisa and Christina. Say hello, my friends. Hello. Hello, hello. hello. And mm-hmm. we're, we're back in the beer styles territory. So today we're talking about Bach beer. And in a huge disclaimer, we are not experts in, in Bach beer and all the different Bach beers that there are, but we thought it was interesting because it's kind of one of these, you know, well, that's one of the questions is whether it's a family or one style of beer, but it's kind of the time of year that you might start to see a lot of Doppelbachs around. And so, you know, getting into warmer months and just post spooky season, why not indulge in a bit of a buck if you can find one that is <laughs> one of our challenges. <laughs> so before we get into what are bucks and how would one even brew one and know the difference between the different styles, let's just remind everybody out there that we are on all the socials. Literally search us and we're there. We're on TikTok, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're at Beer Ladies Pod pretty much everywhere. And we love it when you come and follow us and like something and comment on something and share it with your friends. Please continue. And um, if you do really want to support the pod, the best way to do that is to tell your friends, you know, share an episode that you really like. Um, Otherwise, there are other ways to support. For instance, you could buy some merch um, and you can buy us a pint if you so choose. All of these links are on our social media bios. There's a link tree there that's got every single link you could possibly desire for all of the different things. So thank you for doing all of that. And let's go into into box and hopefully we're drinking some today. Well, let's see. They're not that easy to find, are they? <laughs> Christina, friend, what are you drinking? Alas, I do not have a box. I have um, Rye River Big Bangin' IPA, which is something I've drank a lot of in the past and really enjoy. So that's what I pulled for today's episode. So looking forward to this. Good stuff. Lisa. So I did find a Doppelbach. Uh, like you said, it's the time of year for them. Although, again, surprisingly few make their way from Germany over to here in Ireland. Um, again, one of those things I think we'll get into. 
And I apologize in advance to any Germans or German speaking people for butchering uh, this particular beer that I am drinking. But this is the uh, Weisner Boneta. So uh, like I, I think people will probably all know the Polina Salvatore. So it has the OR at the end. We'll talk a little bit about that, but I did manage to track this down. Uh, it is a lovely kind of you know, deep caramel color or sort of almost a ruby color almost, but uh, definitely very, very bready, very, you know, I don't want to just say malty because I know people get fussy when you just say malty. So very much sort of bready, toasty, all of those things, but uh, lots going on in mouthfeel. It is definitely uh, a sipper. It's not something you would knock back. Um, although I might tell a story later about having done that. Don't do that. It's not a smart idea. Uh, but yeah, this is coming in at about 8%. So this is very much a dessert beer for me, uh, sipping on it slowly, but very good so far. Very, very cool. I'm quite jealous because I also went a little bit on the hunt for a buck today. I wasn't too hopeful. And alas, I did not find one. But I did find something that intrigued me regardless. And it is called Blizzard in a beer mug. Hmm. It's by Turl. And it's a winter wheat India pale ale. Oh, so, I know this is kind of a weird one. So um, many adjectives, huh? So many, so many things, so many words all in a row. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it seems, it seems to be. If I look, if I look at it and if I taste oh. it, it seems to be like a New England IPA, but stronger, bigger, heavier, like very. They they, they say on here fat fruity and full-bodied and actually I think they've captured that it's um it yeah it, it just tastes like a, a quite a chewy New England IPA but not as tropical it doesn't give me summer vibes so hmm. yeah blizzard in a beer mug why not anyway caught my eye because that was interesting yeah, right fascinating no box for me no box for Christina what is a buck anyway let's get into it Lisa tell us what you know about a buck so where it comes from so the traditional story, I mean, I think everyone knows Germany, you know, Germany, just very sort of writ large. Um, but again, there, there's a lot of sort of kind of folklore floating around out there that seems a little bit too good to be true, or maybe a little bit too sort of easy to be like, sure, that's the thing. Because I think if you pick up a lot of Doppelbox, especially, um, and again, I'm just sort of looking at the, the one I have now, I, I did a, you know, a quick Google on it. And they like to tell you they've been making beers like this since the 11th century, which no, not not a thing. That has not been happening. Um, that doesn't mean someone wasn't making beer, but I don't see a Bach or a Doppelbach or an Icebach, certainly, especially not an Icebach, and we'll we'll get into that um, being being made at that time. But I, I think you know the, the the traditional story is ah in in the city of Einbeck they were making beers that people liked, and that the people in Munich pronounced it Einbach. Bach is a billy goat when you translate it from German. And that in the 19th century, this style became popular and sort of spread. But again, there's also this sort of, you know, this sort of story that especially with your, with your my box and your sort of standard, which I'm air quoting box that these that, you know, monks would have brewed these to drink during Lent instead of eating food. This was all part of the fast. Um, and certainly if you look up kind of older uh, beer history things, uh, we will put some links in the show notes. Uh, you know, authorities like Michael Jackson will say, yes, absolutely, this happened. And But, you know, these are that kind of things written in the 1980s. When you look at more recent things, when people have done a little bit more digging, they're like, well, really, they were brewing beers kind of like this year round. There wasn't anything necessarily special to the kind of, you know, Lenten observance or that people were even necessarily replacing food. This was just kind of what they did anyway. So, again, I think there's a little bit of... Um, 
you know, possibly sort of folk etymology going on, possible sort of um, just hand waving the, the history. But I think what we can say is these start to become popular in the 19th century when we have industrialization, branding, and when people start to say, ooh, Bach, goat, we can put a goat on this, boom, it's uh, it becomes a thing because people love goats. Goats are great. Um, and, and I think, uh, again, the other thing is you you see the uh, Ator uh, names, especially on the Doppelbox. Um, so obviously like the, the Salvatore, this is the Bonator. Uh, the one I would always get in Pennsylvania was the Trogues Troganator, which is a delightful beer. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they they all started to kind of copy one another. And, and I, it's really hard for me to see that as anything other than pure branding and you know, mm. beyond anything else. But again, not an expert. So would love to hear from our listeners yeah. what what kind of the true story is. And I think, you know, Tandy, like we were talking about before we started, like, you know, there are all these different things in the Bach family. Are How do they all interrelate? How similar, how different are they? And how can someone who's maybe just out shopping know what they're picking up? I think, you know, sometimes it's not that deep. It's like, just what might I expect when, I, mm. when I'm getting this beer? So mm-hmm. lots to unpack. Yeah, pl- plenty. And I mean, Christina, you and I can go through the different styles of the different kinds of box that you might get. But the way that I've always understood a box was just to be quite a strong malt forward lager. Now, that's not true of all of them, because there are different kinds of box. And the ones that are certainly agreed in the BJCP, so that's the Beer Judge Certification Program Guide of, of different beer styles, are um, my box or Heller's box. Those names are used interchangeably, although there is some contention as to whether they're actually the same thing. Um, the theory that the Heller's Bach is really a Heller's beer made to Bach strength as opposed mm. to a Heller's Bach, um, whereas the My Bach should be the more kind of traditional one. And that would have been the one, at least according to BJCP, that would have been brewed for spring uh, or, yeah, brewed for spring and that's why I think May. May. May is my. Yeah. And so it's a spring spring brew. Yep. And that one would have been drunk quite fresh, supposedly, instead of being aged and kept in the lager cells um, and in the caves, you know, if you believe the folklore. Um, unlike the Doppelbach. So Doppelbach is a much darker, richer, um, almost, people do call it like a liquid bread. So if you can think of like a really like decadent brown bread crust. You know, that's almost what I think of as a Doppelbach, but, you know, there are many other descriptors besides multi, but it is one of those that if you think of a Doppelbach, think of malt. That's where you're going. Yeah, this um, is definitely chewy. That's, you yes, know, that's a word yes. for it. Yeah. Then there is an icebox. So imagine a Doppelbach, but now you've concentrated it. <laughs> so, you know, all of these beers, one of their main characteristics is in actually how you brew them rather than what they taste like. So they use a method called decoction, which I'll get to in a minute. But Icebox takes a Doppelbock and concentrates it down to be even more chewy and rich and sweet and effectively higher in alcohol. So the way that you would do that is to take this beer, freeze it, and then scrape off kind of some of the water. So it isolates the water away from the beer and the alcohol. Then there is the Weizenbock. Now, all of these ones, so the Icebock, the Doppelbock, the Maibock, or Hellersbock, depending on which way you want to name it, these are all typically lagers. Um, and in my head, that's exactly what a Bock is, is a strong lager. But the Weizenbock is actually 
much more like a strong vice beer. So it uses a typical kind of vice yeast, which is an ale yeast. So it's top fermenting, not bottom fermenting. But what's important about this kind of yeast is that it brings you the kinds of um, esters that you get in a vice beer. So banana, clove, bubblegum, as opposed to a cleaner fermentation profile that you get from the lager yeasts that would be used in the my box, topper box, and ice box. But there is another one that is spoken about, which is the Dunkelsbach. Now, if you had to, if you had to put a gun to my head, I don't know if <laughs> I would be able to tell you the difference between a Dunkelsbach and a Doppelbach, except for the fact that not all Doppelbachs are dark, where Dunkel does assume or presume it's going to be dark. Um, so you can actually get Doppelbachs that are not quite as dark as what we know them to be. They're not as common. But that's the only difference that I could really see. There are, in the BJCP, there are some differences talking about the different malts used or the different levels of caramelization or Maillard reactions. But it seems to me to be quite subtle. Um, yeah. Yeah. In the in the book, so I have this book, and if you're um, listening and not watching, it's the Beer Bible by Jeff Alworth. And this is a really nice book um it has this whole nice section on um all the different kinds of box which is really handy for this episode because i know nothing about <laughs> box we're all learning um but yeah so he has said in here this little nice section about statistics um that the dunkelbach has an abv range of six to eight percent whereas the doppelbach has a 6.5 to 10 percent so maybe they're just slightly more. I mean, there is obviously some overlap there, um, but yeah, yeah, they're kind of similar. Um, yeah, I'm the same. I probably couldn't tell the difference, except I mean, I guess if it's above eight percent, then I'd be like, oh yeah, <laughs> that's a, that's, a, that's a giveaway <laughs> yeah. there. Um, but yeah, so I really think they're quite. They they do seem to be quite similar, and I was laughing before the 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 show and saying, yeah, it's the difference between stouts and porters, um, <laughs> which is, of course, as we know, something that's incredibly contentious. And I'm sure since I brought that up, someone is cringing and <laughs> rolling wrong, their eyes wrong, and somewhere screaming um, at me through through their headset. So, I, yeah, I I'm sorry I brought that up, but you know that is one of those those things that we all like to fight about. <laughs> But yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> I've also seen, oh, sorry. I've also seen traditional Bach, which again, air quoting for those listening, but I've seen that for what might be a standard Bach. I've seen that also on a doppel Bach. So I'm like, traditional is one of these words that really means nothing, but yeah. I've seen it applied in so many different ways. So if, if I saw that, you know, out and about, I don't know that I would assume it was anything in particular. And like, I'd have to like, again, I'd probably be sitting there Googling like what, what is this? Who, you know, mm. and I'm sure if I went on untapped, it would all be like, oh, it's 8%. So it's great. And you're like, oh, okay. But nuance guys, you know, what's, <laughs> what is this? Need more information. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, um, it's a weird one for me. I think that after having read up a little bit now about box, and I mean, I've not had that many either. So I'd really actually just like to taste more and potentially you know, air quotes again, but traditional versions or versions that would have come from the areas in which, you know, these kinds of beers come from, because I'd love to know the difference or whether they are just, this one's lighter, that one's darker, that one's aged for a longer period, whatever the case is, but it doesn't matter. Box are, box are great and I love goats. So I'm a fan. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I think 
I, I feel like there is still that seasonality to it where you'll see that, you know, like we said, the my box in May. So that, that all makes sense. The regular, again, regular, just because it doesn't have another descriptor in front of it. Bach in theory, you can find year round, but yeah, I feel like we're seeing all the Doppelbox come out, you know, right around now, which again, makes sense if mm-hmm. they were, you know, longer, longer and, and all of those things. But um, it's a funny thing though, too, because I, I do feel like, um, again, going back to, you know, when we lived in Pennsylvania, it would be a big deal when Trogues released Troganator every year. And it would always be kind of around this time of year. And it would be, you know, like event television, event beer, it would be a thing. It's now not the thing where people would go line up and pay people to stand in line, like not that kind of thing. It was just, there was like just this cheerful, oh, it's out now, we can go get some. And you would have it as a dessert beer or that kind of thing. But uh, I don't know, I feel like we've kind of lost a little bit of that kind of looking forward to things. Uh, yes. You know, I feel like there's less of the seasonality and less of the sort of, this is a thing that comes out, but once a year or that kind of thing. So I don't know, I don't know. Maybe it's I'm just funny. old. It's always one of those arguments because, you know, um, when we talk about pumpkin beers and things like that, people like love pumpkin beers and go mad for them around again this time of year. And then the question is, why don't we just brew them all the time? But actually, it's nice to look forward to things and it's nice to have things at at different times of year. And I I bet you Buck is actually no different, you know, in the way that they were brewed and aged and kept. Yeah, I agree. I like to have certain things for like special occasions and stuff. And I really always look forward to the pumpkin beer. And then I hoard them like a dragon <laughs> um, until Christmas and like tried to save one for, for a while. But yeah, like I love having like Christmas beers around Christmas or winter warmers and then pumpkin beers around Halloween and Thanksgiving or whatever holidays that you celebrate. Um, it's just kind of nice to have those with the season seasonality. So I do really like that we save them for that. Um, although um, from what I've seen the last time I visited the U.S., people are making pumpkin beers earlier and earlier yeah, and earlier. <laughs> but uh, don't get me started on the fact that it's not even Halloween yet and I'm seeing Christmas <laughs> stuff everywhere. <laughs> uh, although, but you know, by the same token, I know that the, the one ice box that I used to see around, at least sort of around in the States, which again, you'd think in theory is around somewhere elsewhere in Europe. I'm sure it's around in Germany as, uh, and again, apologies, Germans. I, yeah, I'm really trying. Uh, Kuhnbacher makes an ice block and it is, you know, it, it is one of those things where it is strong and it is theoretically available year round, but it's, it, it's kind of funny that the one that's kind of the, the weirder one is the one that's available year round. So I, I don't know why, but you know, would love to hear if anyone has any theories. Yeah. Have Have either of you had an ice buck? I have. It was messy, um, but that's because I had a doppelbock beforehand. Again, this is the story. Do not recommend. Don't Don't do this. But you know, I was I was young and naive. Like I was like, you know, thirty. But still, still don't do this. Um, but uh, yeah, it was it was during a, a Philly beer week some some years ago. This would have been like around like ooh, I don't know early two thousands. Um, and I, it must've been a German beer and German style beer event because I'd had, you know, something else, then a Doppelbock and then they brought out the Icebock. And I remember sipping the Icebock and being like, oh, that's very strong. And then being on my way home on the train and being like, huh. <laughs> okay, that happened. So again, don't do that. Bad for you. <laughs> uh, drink responsibly. Uh, but again, I did take the train home. That was all good. Got home unscathed, but, um, I don't remember anything in the way of tasting notes or anything, you know, meaningful. Just, I just remember strong and being like, (laughs) 
Okay. So we'd, we'd like to try one un, uh, hmm, unmediated. On a, we'll say that. Yeah. On a sober stomach. <laughs> I mean, for, for reference, um, guys, like a Heller's Bock or a Maybach, the typical alcohol range is already stronger than yeah. a lager. So, you know, even, even your lightest version of a Bock is going to be 63 to 7.4%. I mean, that is a big beer. What is yeah. really good about these kinds of beers or what, you know, once again, German engineering and, and I marvel <laughs> at it each time. But when you taste a beer like this and it doesn't taste like it, you, it just mm. tastes sessionable and, you know, delicious and like you, it tastes like more, you know, that's that's the kind of beers that, that Germans brew really, really well. And this is no exception, but at 6.3%, how do you even get a lager to be that strong and yet so delicious without it being, I don't know, either really dark or, you know, with all the all the other kind of flavors that go into it? Well, yeah. I will tell you. I will tell <laughs> you. There is there is one there is one trick to it. So, the one trick to making a bock, if you're going to be brewing one at home, uh, and this is not just for bocks, by the way. This goes for some pilsners and it goes for a lot of different styles, but. It's to either use decoction uh, mashing, which is when you take a part of your wort. So your wort is, you know, your grain and water that you've been steeping to get out all the sugars. So when you take some of that wort and you boil that down to be almost a really concentrated version of that wort, and then you add it back in to your beer to be fermented. What that does is it adds color and richness and flavor without adding all the sugars, which would make a much higher sort of alcohol beer. So imagine getting a lot of a lot of flavor and sweetness and richness, but without all the booze. Even though we're talking about, mm. you know, a Heller's Bach at six and a half percent or whatever, the way that it tastes, it almost should be a lot darker and a lot mm. more boozy. Um, even you know, even though it tastes super clean. So that is one method. The other method is to do a really long boil. So after you've mashed, you typically take your grains out because we don't want any uh, tannins and things coming from then. And then you start adding your hops and you boil down your wort to sterilize it and to do all the other good things that boiling does. But what it also does is that it, again, it concentrates the flavor. So instead of having a ratio of, let's say, 10 to 1 of water, you might end up with a ratio of 8 to 1, which will give you a sweeter, a sweeter base for your yeast to eat on. So a long boil as opposed to, let's say, 60 minutes um, is, is standard. So a longer boil could be 90 minutes or 120 minutes, which is two hours. That'll help get all of those flavors in um, to get these really strong lagers. Um, but either which way, you know, those are two of the methods that people would have used to get these really, um, to get the maximum flavor out of these malts. Because what's really interesting about a lot of these beers is that they're not using dark malts. They're using... Hmm. You know, they're using um, darker malts very sparingly. It's almost like take your base malt and just treat it in a different way. So use a decoction or boil it for longer to get that almost caramelized nature out of it, um, as opposed to adding crystal or caramel type malts, which give a different flavor. So it's not as, you know, developed in one direction, which I think is also why these beers are so bready in a sense they're not bread and toffee and biscuit you know they're they're bready with some caramel and in a double box case maybe a little bit of chocolate but you know slight yeah I and, I, and I think like, yeah. no I, I think that's absolutely spot on and, and I'm thinking too of 
bad examples I have had and where they go wrong, both from some I've judged in competitions or from what I'm going to put in the category of Ren Faire beers. Um, I love a good Ren Faire, but I've had some bad beers at Ren Faires. And I'm just going to say, you know, lagers are hard. Maybe don't start with that if, you know, anyway, but I've definitely had, I, I'm absolutely certain it was the same beer labeled. It's both a Doppelbock and a, a Belgian double identical beer was neither of those, but you know, it was, <laughs> you could see how they're like, it's dark, it's sweet, it's really strong, but it was, you know, one of these kind of hit you over the head um, kind of things. But again, I'm absolutely certain it was the same recipe. It just went wrong in different ways and sure, slap mm. a label on it. Um, but, you know, that said, it, I do think it's, it's interesting how you have, you know, kind of broadly similar things, again, comparing it to like a double, but you don't have that like candy sugar kind of sweetness. It's a different, you know, again, that more bready kind of character versus mm. a sort of, again, sort of sweeter, like sugary character you would get like in a Belgian double. But like, you know, looking at them, they look pretty similar. They smell pretty similar too. So I, I think, um, you know, again, some different yeast characters there as well, but you do get that clean finish in, I think, any kind of Bach that, you know, different from, you know, kind of a Belgian yeast, or even if you're like, um, like thinking of like a strong brown ale or, or, you know, something mm. like that, like you're still kind of in the ballpark, but it's got that clean finish, um, despite yeah. the strength. So one way to say, oh, yeah. they got it right. Yeah. And then just tying it back to your, uh, your icebox story, you know, <laughs> being, being the most concentrated and the, the highest alcohol of, of the different box in the box family between nine and 14%. So there we go, Lisa. And you're you're all of about five foot, you know. I mean you know, with heels. So I'm I'm only small, you know, it yeah. was a lot. Um, and I was probably much skinnier then too, because this was like pre-child. I was off, you know, living my best life. So um, <laughs> but yeah, uh it was a whole thing. But I do have some other fun Bach-related stories to do with goats. Um, so I I'll, I'll just wheel one of those out also because it actually introduces another substyle that does it or does it not exist? We can, you know, we can mm. discuss. So um, again, we lived in Pennsylvania for nine years. So um, rolling that out there, but uh, Sly Fox Brewery uh, in Pottsville has an annual, um, you know, basically goat, goat race. It's a Bockfest and goat race. And it is so much fun. And it's, you know, super family friendly. They have, you know, German beer and food, obviously, but they brew, they always brew their Doppelbock, uh, which is called Instigator. They have a Maybach, and the Maybach is named after whoever, well, whoever, whichever, whoever, whichever, anyway, whichever goat wins the race, the beer will be named after that goat. And for a while, there was a goat who had only three legs who was winning like every year consecutively. She was just like unstoppable. Um, you know, so that there, so it was several years where it was called, um, you know, it was basically the Peggy Maybach because Peggy just, Peggy couldn't lose. Peggy was out there, like, you know, taking no prisoners. So good for her. It's so cute. It's, it's such a fun event. And you can tell, like, these goats are so loved and looked after. They're having a great time. They're just Aww. hanging out. And, you know, again, the race is very, this is very chill. They just get to go and run, you know, down a pitch, basically. But uh, another thing Sly Fox brews is their Risenbach. So, no. so, again, add another layer of complexity. So... Yeah, you can, how do you even check that in if that's what you're inclined to do? So it's basically a rye, Weizenbach. Yeah, how do you combine? even sound like it should be a style. Do you know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah, you're combining like the rye and the wheat and just think about 
all that, but then, you know, I think that's going to get, you know, some interesting kind of aroma things going on and a little mm. bit of spice in there. So, uh, you know, again, people shouldn't feel limited by, you know, BJCP says X and Y. Yes. I mean, when you can say, what if we had a fun event with goats? <laughs> and, you know, just sort of threw this in the mix. I think it's, uh, it's, it's all good. And I think, you know, that's something like, I feel it's a very, um, I feel like you do have this little pocket in that part of sort of the, the you know, Northeast North America, where you have, you know, the German influence, so you have the different sort of lager styles and sort of sub-styles that maybe didn't stay other places uh, for one reason or another. But I do want to say that, and, and I may be crazy about this, but I want to say that I think Michelob made a Bach for a while, like that was just on sort of wide distribution. And I don't know if it was a real Bach. I'm sure people were snooty mm. about it, but I'm pretty sure that existed for a while in the world. Um, and for a while, I mean, like in the recent past, not in like the early 20th century where pre-prohibition, something along those lines might have been more uh, reasonably expected to exist. But I, I don't know. I don't know. So uh, yeah, listeners, if you guys remember that, I'd just be curious to know, have I made this up in my head or was this a real thing? So yeah, yeah. I'm going to have know, to send mm. that um, goat race to my aunt because my aunt has pet goats it's so um, much fun. and she lives in Pennsylvania. So that is right up her street. So I will have totally to go. Yeah, it would. She would be so happy because she loves her goats and this would just be, she'd be thrilled. She'd be so excited. Yes. My sister-in-law has goats. Hi, Kathy. Uh, I've tried to convince her to, to take a goat. Um, it has never happened yet, but maybe, you know, <laughs> she's not far. She could get there. Just saying. I I just like the prize of having the beer named after the winning goat. That is so cool. It's super cool. And they change it every year. But how, how much fun is that? And it's just like, it's such a unique, you know, unique thing. And, you know, they take a picture of the goat. And if you go on their website, you'll see the past winners. And it's adorable. So oh, goats. we've got to have the, the, the link to this event in our show notes, please. Oh, my gosh. that That is so cool. But actually, what what is interesting. So, Lisa, you touched on it a little bit earlier. You um spoke about the fact that often these box have a tour at the end. So A-T-O-R. Mm. Actually, it's more of a doppelbock. Mm -hmm. uh, that, so so Salvatore by Polena was the quote-unquote original doppelbock, yeah. according to everybody that seems to be the first one. <laughs> and before they were even called doppelbox, so double box, yeah. it was just the Salvatores. That was, you know, it was like the Kleenex of tissues. <laughs> so, um. After after there was, you know, the branding wars, you know, went on and people wanted to make the same style, but not have to call it Salvatore. And um, people, as you said, Lisa, started calling their Doppelbox with that A-T-O-R at the end. So what was that one that you mentioned earlier? Trogator? So, uh, Troganator. Yes. Troganator. So, exactly. Yes, so, wonderful beer. Yeah. And it's it's cool to see creative names that use that suffix in a sense. It's so fun. Um, and actually, Troganator is in the BJCP as a as oh, a, is as it? Example oh, style. good yeah. for them because it's yeah because yeah. it trogues for for those not hanging out in Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's it's uh, two brothers and it's basically a, a sort of uh, slight um, change to their surname. Um, and now, of course, it's a, it's a relatively big brew and it's wonderful. But yeah, there are some really interesting ones up there. I'm, and I'm trying to think of like um, Abita in New Orleans has I want to say Andy Gator, so they get an alligator. <laughs> reference in there but uh yeah you can be so creative with with some of these but uh, yeah. yeah you have to imagine initially they were all just ripping each other off because there was no 
Yeah, this is what you did then. There was no you know, reason mm. not to. So mm. one of the styles I, I know that I've definitely had this one was um, from Eyinger, um, also German brewery, and that one's called Celebrator. Mm. So same same suffix, but obviously the word feels a bit different because it's just a <laughs> it's just a word, really. Less less churchy, cool. more more just kind of fun. Yeah, and I think is that the one that comes with the little goat around the the neck of the bottle? I think so. I think it I is. I think it's that one, and it's very cute. I think I bought it because of that. <laughs> <laughs> Which you know, hey, if that works, you know, no mm. no shame in that. It's all. Uh, it's it's all good and again like goats are so much fun so why not you know actually maybe that's a question is are there other animals that people should be naming beers after to kind of maybe create a whole you know style tie-in i don't know mm. i don't know hmm. what animal would you name a beer after a llama oh that's fun that's cute what kind of beer mm, a sour oh that's cute Mm. I don't I don't know what kind of sour but I would like a really fluffy llama <laughs> with a colorful necklace of some kind like a pom-pom necklace and it would have to be some kind of fun sour I think oh that's wonderful that's cute <laughs> gosh I'm yeah I'm thinking something again I'm thinking something weird like an okapi um but like what would would the beer be i don't know maybe you know maybe something made with weird grains or something like maybe something brewed from spelt or I, I don't know i don't know that would just be interesting to try something you know where you've got that mix of the stripes and uh, you know the dark color i don't know I don't, i'm not sure how you would convey stripe so mm. what would you do christina um i would make one after my dog <laughs> <laughs> and george Rebeck. Throw back to last week's episode. Would you call it the spooky black dog? Um, I would call it demon. <laughs> yes. that, demon that is, spawn. <laughs> that is the nickname I call my dog, and he answers to it at this point. So, oh. <laughs> full disclosure, he's my bestie, and I love him so much. But mm. he is definitely a demon. <laughs> oh, I love it. And it would be a dark beer. Yes. Naturally, yeah, would have to be. Well, that's funny. Although I, I wonder too, uh, just thinking back to the, you know, the, the Ators or, you know, are there um, actually Bell's Consecrator? That's another really good one, uh, at least in North America. Like, uh, has there been an Irish take on it yet? Has, has an Irish brewery done, um, you know, air quotes, a real Doppelbock? Um, have we seen someone take on the style? I'm just thinking this, be like, here in Ireland, there's so much scope for people to come up with great names and People are really good at that with our breweries here, but I don't know, Christina, I don't know if you know. I don't know off the top of my head, but if someone should do it, because we, as we were saying before this episode, more loggers, please, more yeah. and more yes. and more loggers and more loggers from different places. I would love to see any of the styles of Bach showing up um, in Ireland made by Irish breweries. I think that would be amazing. Yeah, especially since, again, we get relatively few directly from Germany. And now I know there are some places bringing some in, like shout out to the Beer Club and, and uh, Martin's places like that. But it's not that many. You know, I, I think, uh, you know, I, I know before we moved here, there was an assumption that like, oh, we could get all of these European beers whenever. No, <laughs> there are not that many. Somehow not. Yeah, yeah. somehow not. 
So no, I agree. I think I think if there is anything to be taken away, it's it's breweries. Please brew some lovely lagers for us. But once again, we the beer ladies are working the manifestation <laughs> magic. So we expect that a new buck will be announced like next week. <laughs> Yes, please. <laughs> yeah. Although even if it's like something seasonal, we're fine with that. One-offs are all all good. All, we'll try it. See how it that's, goes. That's glorious. Yeah. I would just like to see more people experimenting with styles and not necessarily with how many different things can we stick into the single beer. Do you, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Not, not that there's anything wrong with that because yeah. I like the weird beers. The weirder, the better. I'm here for it. But I'd like to see some people just trying new styles as well just mm. bring those yeah. over as well while we're mixing everything up the the newer mm. the more fun just try it all yeah I think, I think I know why though we don't see so many lagers and it's just because they take much longer to make yeah much more care in making them you know they, they are hard to make and, and I understand you know because a doppelbock would be aged for five six months I mean most people want to brew a beer and turn it around and have it finished in that time you know long ago but yeah yeah and, and like we said they're technically harder you cannot mm. hide things in a lager like you can no. in an ale um so yeah as lisa said earlier a lot of people start with trying to brew a lager um just because it's easy to drink doesn't mean that it's easy to brew definitely 100 percent Though that said, more and more people are beginning to experiment with sort of barrel programs. And I know people love to kind of go for those, you know, the whiskey barrel aged or, you know, all of that, all good, all, all good. But yeah, it would be interesting if people were also kind of just setting some of those barrels aside, maybe just like straight up lagering, just see what, see what comes mm. up. And I think maybe faster turnaround for some of that too, even though it's longer than a traditional, you know, beer, not yeah. as long as some of those, you know, the barrel aged, again, air quotes, if, you know, it's not going to be two years. Like maybe we're talking six months or even less. Yeah. I mean, definitely I'd be down to go in with some people to sponsor a barrel of some, like some kind of lager that's going to be aged for six months. Like I would totally be into that. That would be amazing actually. Yeah. Guys, we're, we're we've got ideas. Reach out. So hard to hear first. Yeah. The podcast will totally sponsor a, <laughs> a, a barrel. <laughs> yeah. Everyone do, yeah, give some money to our bias, you know, bias point. We will put this toward, you know, yeah. And, that, and then we'll the have like a live, work. then we'll have like a live podcast or something. Yeah. Get back to the community. Yeah. Yeah. See, we're like manifesting things into the world. I like this. Yes. Indeed. Somebody come up with this. <laughs> Oh, and actually, before we go, that is a perfect segue again, because there's also this tie-in, you know, the goat Capricorn. So for people who are into all your astrology, and I don't know, because I'm too old, but you guys know about these things. So if you're, you know, if you're going for the goat Capricorn, what, what does it mean about your beer? I don't know. Mm. Now, I had heard and read that the link between Capricorn and the goat and the beer is because it's brewed from January to the end, well, you know, until the sort of middle oh, of, interesting. of spring. Okay. January is the sign of Capricorn, or that's the time of year when the Capricorn star sign is around. I mean, God, don't take it from me. But it's actually, <laughs> you know, that's what I'd read, or that's what I'd heard is if you stop brewing in January, that's the time of Capricorn in the sky. So therefore, okay. Capricorn, don't know. There we go. However, you know what? I just thought was a, just a very fun novel thing was um, in Poland, there's a town called city called Poznan and Poznan's logo or its 
coat of arms. It's got two goats and they lock horns. And it's very cool because you see the goats everywhere. Um, and I wonder how many box they make. Wouldn't it be Oh, fun? that's an interesting idea. Possible. Oh, that'd be cute. And, mm. and that's, a, that's a big like tech center too. Anyone who's ever worked for a big tech company, yeah. you've got an office there. So just, just saying someone has been or someone has come from there. So there is maybe ask them to bring some beer. Excellent beer scene there. Take it from me. Mm. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Field trips. There we go. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a really great question, though. Like, I, we've talked about, you know, some American box, double box, but mm. there have got to be others in other, you know, other parts of Europe yeah. and other parts of German speaking Europe as well. So, yeah, there must be Austrian ones, uh, Swiss yeah. ones. So, yeah, it's a great point. I believe, I believe a few of the UK breweries are doing box quite well. So, mm. if we could get our hands on some of those, that might be nice too. But, you know, once again, just shout out to all the brewers. Please make a box for us, please. Yeah, we that just love to try it. Yeah, Please. see yeah. how it goes. Mm. Yeah, that's it. So, friends, anything more that we want to say on box? Do we, um, do we, did we leave out any fun tidbits or trivia, or things or questions? Like, what is an urbok? Oh God, <laughs> let's not go there. I feel like we're under needs more research, which yes, not a bad thing in this case. But yeah, listeners, we'd love to hear from you. Box you love, box you hate. You know, are they even all one thing? You know, discuss. And where do you find your box? Do tell us. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Please let us know because some of us would like to acquire some. <laughs> yes, we would. Especially um, on the, you know, in everyday life so that we don't have to drink New England IPAs on a box episode. Yeah. Not that there's anything Anyways. wrong with that. No, no, beer's, the beer's lovely. I just, I was just, you know, when I was reading all about the box, I just want that sort of doppelbock like warmth, pretty deliciousness. So, yeah, I have to say, I am beer. really pleased. Again, shout out to Martinson Fairview because they had a fair, you know, a couple. Uh, I was glad to find this one, and they had the the Pauliner one too, um, which I've had before. So I was glad to get one I haven't had before, just to you know compare mm, and contrast. But uh, but yeah, it's it's nice to have a bit of a selection. So and it's nice to again do that sort of spur of the moment, not have to plan and you know. I, mm. I will say about Martins. I love Martins of Fairview. Um, the, they're just amazing. And actually this time of year, closer to Christmas, they get in a lot of beers from the continent. Um, specifically Belgium is what I look for a lot. Um, so I'm always sort of on the, eye, I look out for <laughs> this time of year at Martins, but I, I love Martins such a yeah. great off license. Great place. And they don't even sponsor us. We just happen to live near it and they're lovely. So. Yeah. No, no one has sponsored <laughs> us. <laughs> these, are just, these are just facts. Yes. Facts. Exactly. Yeah. And, and at the moment they have a lovely window display. Again, we're recording just before Halloween. They'll probably change it after, but right now it's very pumpkin-y and seasonal and really nice. Very nice. Well, that's it. If anybody goes past uh, Martin's, do you, uh, you know, t tell them we sent you yes <laughs> that'll be that'll be nice but um no uh, ladies gents people at home um we're gonna wrap up here on box so i mean here's what we know there's a potentially a family of beers called box some of them are lighter some of them are darker but they are strong so we're talking above six percent they're generally very mold forward um some of them to the point of being called liquid bread but they are clean and delicious and a marvel of german engineering as usual so let's have more of them right see you all on the socials we'll see you on twitter we're at beer ladies pod on twitter instagram tiktok and facebook even our uh, website is 
coming to you in the next couple of weeks just waiting on some domain things we're gonna get there and yeah we're nearly there we're nearly there and that's it so see you next week for another beer ladies episode and please do share with your friends or buy us a pint we'd love it all right bye everybody see you later Bye. bye bye hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain i learned this the hard way after losing my cat gingy so i created pretty litter a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors saving you money and potentially your cat's life pretty litter is veterinary and developed and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home go to prettylitter.com and use code acast for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy terms and conditions apply see site for details ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi mm. hello fresh Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.